move you, um, you may not be able to be moved. What a beautiful name it is. Are you happy in the Lord this morning? Amen. I trust that you are. It's good uh, to be back with you. Always a joy uh, to come and be with you folks at Alpha Alman. And uh, just appreciate the opportunity to uh, fill in uh, this morning. I want to talk this morning, if you would, go with me to Ephesians chapter 1. And I'll read from there in a moment. I want to talk to you this morning about expectations. It's hard to know uh, what to speak on when you're uh, coming in and filling uh, like this. Um, But I think the Lord led me to some thoughts this morning uh, on the church. And we know that the church is is God's program. He has other programs. uh, But the church is uh, the main program that we focus on uh, as believers and we function out of. Um, So I'm always excited uh, to talk about that. I was excited this morning in Sunday school class with Stephen, going through some different aspects of the church, particularly diversity, uh, this morning. Uh, It was good to hear and uh, good to see him covering some of these marks of of the church, uh, tremendous focus in in those things. And I know uh, that you guys are in the process of looking uh, for a pastor, and I know that can be a very... Uh, exciting time, and that's what I want to talk about a little bit this morning. I was glad to hear uh, Mike come up and talk about their their back on looking, and uh, didn't know that was happening uh, this morning. But I want to talk a lot about uh, that uh, this morning in the process of great expectations as to how we come to this issue. How do we look at this issue as members? How do we look at this issue as as elders? How does God look at this issue? And uh, I think that will be uh, good as we go into that a little bit this morning. Great expectations, looking at the big picture. Uh, I know Alfred Allman is a very uh, special church. Uh, Alfred Allman is is unique uh, in, in many ways throughout its past 42 years of existence. I asked Mike this morning, um, how many years has this church been here? And he pulled out of his Bible this list of all the things that have happened at Alfred Alfred Allman Bible Church, all the way back to 1974, when God began preparing uh, Dan Kenyon's heart, and in 1975, when people started meeting and started praying about what would happen here, and then in 1976, when the first service took place in, I believe, Bob Baker's home. Is that correct? Uh, So a lot of things have happened in the last 46 years, and I know that this church has been a haven. I know this church has been a harbor, uh, a home uh, for those in need. It's been a family for the needy. Uh, It's been a family for the lonely. Uh, This church has been a school for the untaught. Uh, This church has been a fortress uh, for the fearful. This church has been an open door for those who have felt shut out in every other aspect of life. This church has been uh, offering love to the unloved and offering acceptance to many people who would be rejected in other places and in other forums. This church has preached about forgiveness for the guilty 
It's preached about peace in a world of chaos. This church has been hope for the hopeless, bringing light in darkness. Well, why is it that this church has been so unique? I think the key to answering that question this morning is not really to analyze uh, its pastors, even though that's interesting. I was interested to see uh, that in 1974 this morning on his sheet, how God was, was actually preparing a man's heart to be a part of that first church here, the first services. Uh, my brother-in-law was here for many, many years. We could talk about him forever. Others have been here, but I don't really think that that, that is what has made this church uh, so unique. It's not really its programs as well. Stephen was hitting on this this morning. There's diversity in programming. There's diversity in what we can do and how we can do it. So it's really not our programs or your programs. And though all those things are essential to who you are as a church, none of those are really the key in explaining its uniqueness. The real key to understand why your church is so unique and why any church is so unique for that matter really comes down to what's in your name. You are the Alfred Almond Bible Church. I don't think it's in the words Alfred Almond or the fact that this location is in between Alfred and Almond and its unique position here on the hill. I think the word Bible starts to get at some very important things, doesn't it? (laughs) The word Bible is important. It's foundational to where we build our foundation out of, the Scriptures. The Word of God is unique. It's quick, it's powerful, uh, and it changes people's lives. And So I don't want to diminish that word because it's sufficient. The Scriptures tells us what's right, what's wrong, how to get right, and how to stay right. We all know those things about the foundation of the Word of God. I didn't, I didn't come up this morning and say, turn in your uh, Reader's Digest. He said, turn in your what? Bibles. To Ephesians chapter 1. But what I want to really focus on this morning is not the Scriptures and the, and, and the sufficiency of all of that. I want to talk about the Word that I think really makes this unique, and it is the word church. That sums it all up for me. This is not Alfred Allman Club. This is not Alfred Allman Company. This is not Alfred Allman Recreation Center. This is not Alfred Allman Food Outlet. This is not Alfred Allman Theater. This is Alfred Allman Bible Church, isn't it? And I think that's the key, and that's what connects you back to Acts chapter 2 at the day of Pentecost, as the church was formulated and the church began. The church spread across Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the world, all the way to this little town in Alfred Almond on this hill... It started way back then, didn't it? Your local church started back in the the mid-70s. But the church goes back to the day of Pentecost. And we have to connect to that. 
I think it's really our understanding of the word church that will help us to focus who we are and why we are in a, a period of time, you are in a period of time where you need to be seeing what God is doing and the great expectations that he has for you as a local body. Ephesians chapter 1, just follow along if you would as I read. This is really all basically one sentence, one paragraph, and we are not preaching on this text. Ephesians 1, 3 to 14. If there were no other parts of the Bible, this one I would want to be here. This is like Niagara Falls of truth. And we're going to start here because this is why we're here. All right? Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love he predestined us for adoption through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will to the praise of his glorious grace, with which he has blessed in the beloved. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven, and things on earth. In him we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will, so that we who were first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory. In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, we're sealed with the promise of the Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. And all God's people said, wow. The Niagara Falls of truth. Stephen said this morning that we need to be looking for situations throughout this week that are win-win type things. Where do we win? Where is God working? Where do we see this? This is win-win, isn't it, Steve? If we can't find win outside of that text, we're not seeing reality. Changes are taking place. Change is good. I'm thankful that some things never change. Amen? God never changes. He's immutable. He doesn't change. God's word does not change. We referenced it this morning. We have one faith. We have one baptism. We have, we have one Lord. We have one spirit, right? But you're going through a change. And we, we have to ask some questions about that. You know, and this morning I want to talk about what, what could you expect from the pastor? What would you expect from him? What will he expect from you? And then talk also about 
what does God expect from both? I think it's good to think about those kind of things as we focus on the big picture. This is not any individual elders or pastor's church, is it? This is God's church. And that takes the pressure really off the elders. It takes the pressure off of the pastor preaching the message because he said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Guess what? In the end, we win. We win. So I just want to share five areas of where expectations come. If you have your notes from the bulletin, it looks like a lot. It won't take us that long uh, to do. I know we have communion uh, following this, and I promise we'll get out of here on time. And I also never will see you again, so it doesn't really matter. (laughs) First of all, what should you expect from a pastor? What should you expect from an elder, and I'm using those terms this morning uh, in the same way. They mean the same thing. First of all, you should expect honesty. Honesty in his preaching. He must preach the truth, amen? The scripture says you you will will know the truth and the truth will set you what? Free. He must preach the truth. That means if he pulls this out every week, you're in pretty good hands. Because he's preaching from the truth. He must preach the whole counsel of God. The whole counsel of God reaches to every one of us. Some will need more love than others. Some will need more attention than others. He must preach with power from God. Romans 1.16, he says, the scripture says, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Paul says, why? Because it is the power of God unto salvation to the Jew first and also to the Greek. He must preach from the power of the word of God. You don't want... Wimpy preaching. Write it down. W-I-M-P-Y. That's what it is. Wimpy preaching. You don't want a pastor who doesn't challenge you from the word. We all need to be stretched, don't we? We all need to be stretched from time to time. And you want preaching that is powerful. You want preaching that stretches you and you want preaching that will instruct you and teach you how you ought to be growing and changing in the Lord. He must preach against sin. He must. If a preacher doesn't preach against sin, he has failed you. Because it's his responsibility to preach the whole counsel of God. When you preach the whole thing, you're preaching against sin. Acts 20, 31 says, So be on your guard. Remember that for three years I never stopped warning each of you night and day with tears. He sees that as his ministry. To preach against sin. And he's convicted by it as well. 
Sometimes preaching on sin is, is distasteful. Taking medicine sometimes is distasteful too. Luann has all kinds of health things that she has us eat and drink. You have to learn to love some of it. <laughs> but, but it's healthy for you. Dr. Kroll, when I was back in college, it used to be practical Bible training school. And it was Davis College, I think now. I don't know if it's changed again. But he used to say, if the shoe fits, don't wear it, change shoes. I like that. If the shoe fits as, as the Word of God comes to you, you don't just wear it, you don't just recognize, that's me he's talking about. Change shoes. Change. Grow. Move on. We've all been there. If you're alive this morning, and most of you are, and you've heard the word of God, you get touched by it. There's times I'm looking at the guy saying, he's talking about me. Why is he singling me out in the midst of this group? That's not him doing that. That's the word of God doing that. It's the word of God urging me to see myself for who I am. And, and Dathan, just move on. Just change. Change and grow. It's possible. We have the word of God. We have the spirit of God. We have all the tools necessary to move on, don't we? Sometimes we get stuck. There's a new preacher at a church. I don't know if I've told you this. And, and he preached the first Sunday. He moved in. The truck came. Preached his first message. It's a great message. Everyone's passed out. It was great. Next Sunday, he came up and he preached the same message again. And so they said, Well, you know, he just moved in. You know, he's got all this moving to do. He's got setting up of the house. You know, nobody said anything. Third week, he came in and he preached it again. And one of the deacons went to him and says, Pastor, you, you know, you've spoken on this three Sundays in a row. Do you, have, do you have any other ones? And he said, no. He said, yeah, I do, but when we start practicing the first one, we'll move on to the second one. <laughs> uh, he's not going to last long. <laughs> but, but isn't it true that, that we need to see ourselves not so much as a hall of saints, even though we are. We're called to be saints. He's positioned us in the beloved. But, but I like to think of ourselves more, and you need to think of yourselves more as, this is a hospital for sinners. Because if you're here this morning, you've been saved by grace. You added nothing to getting saved. <laughs> Ephesians 1, you read that this morning, it's all about what he did for us. It wasn't like, I need you, Dathan, to fulfill my, my plan. No, no, no. He, he, he's going he's to take care of it. We brought nothing to the table. If you're here this morning and you feel like, man, I'm struggling. I'm struggling with the expectations that the Word of God has for me. I'm struggling with certain sins in my life and certain temptations and, and certain issues. Why am I not getting total victory over this? Hey, look, you're amongst friends. You're amongst friends because this is a hospital for sinners, saved by grace. 
to the glory of God, that we can even come together and sing, what a beautiful name it is. I couldn't even sing it. I can't start out crying. But as I started singing that song, I'm like, I can't even sing this. Because it wells up in me the truth of it. So we can expect that from him. Honesty in his preaching. Secondly, quickly, preparedness. We can expect him to come prepared. Any preacher will tell you that they need time for this. Prepared in the pulpit. God pity the preacher that goes to the pulpit unprepared. I think we, we had that, someone was telling me a few weeks ago, somebody didn't show up. It was a, a storm or something, and a preacher, preacher didn't show up. Is that true? And so we sang. <laughs> we did all of these things. We worshiped. We sang. And we, we, we got through that, right? Everyone went home, had a good service. What's, what about we just do that every week? How's that going to go? That, that's just not going to cut it, is it? We come, we sing, we worship, we go home. No word, no preaching. How long are you coming to that church? No, no, no. The guy's coming prepared. He spent 20 hours in the Word of God this week to feed me something. I want fed. Hungry sheep wander. They want fed. They want the word of God. I appreciated Stephen this morning in Sunday school. Stephen, did you just dream about that last night? That whole thing? Because that was good. And I know it wasn't all yours. But that's okay. What I saw was he came prepared for Sunday school. If you were there, it's like, man, this is good stuff. And everyone wants to chide in. Everyone wants to say, I want to say something. I want to say something. I watch Stephen's like, forget it. <laughs> He's the teacher. Right? And it's good people can add in and they can add their two cents and, and add this. And it's always helpful. It's good to have some interaction like that. Interaction like that. But, but Steve is the teacher. He spent hours this week in the word of God. He's preaching God's word to you. I don't really care what you think about everything. I'm going to preach this. So if we're not having a lot of interaction here this morning, forgive me. This is the word of God, right? If the guy comes prepared, I don't care who it is. It's the word of God. Prepared to help meet needs spiritually. That's what shepherding is doing. This will come from the preacher being alone with the Lord because you're giving him time to be alone with the Lord and alone with the word of God. You will benefit from that. Acts 4 says, when they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished and took note that these men had been with Jesus. That's really all it's going to take for him to be prepared to be in the Word of God. He's been with Jesus, and it was noticeable. They were amazed about it. 
As you and I spend time with the Lord, God will use you. God will use you to minister to other people. So you can expect that from him. You can expect surrender to God from him. Every pastor, preacher should be totally surrendered to God. Surrendered in his will. I love the song, I surrender all to Jesus. I surrender all to him. I freely give. So he's going to be surrendered in his will, surrendered in his habits, surrendered in his plans, surrendered in his thoughts. I don't believe in rededication. Romans 12, 1 and 2, I beseech you therefore, brethren, what? By the mercies of God, that ye present your what? Your bodies, a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Don't be conformed to this world, be ye transformed, what? By the renewing of your minds. That's what your preacher's got to be. The preacher's not going to be at the bar on Saturday night preaching on Sunday morning, probably. Surrender. Commitment transformed. I don't believe in person. After years and years, I've been so far away to the Lord, I'm going to rededicate my life to the Lord. I don't believe in that. We surrender. We commit. Now, you can return stolen property. If you've started doing something else other than being surrendered, you can return stolen property and say, Lord, I've been doing my own thing. Lord, I've been living my own life. I've been spending my own money. I've been doing everything on my own. And I'm coming here today to confess to say, my life is yours and I'm returning the stolen property because I've been living like it's mine. You can call that rededication if you want. I call it returning stolen property. You can expect his surrender. You can expect his leadership, D. A preacher must be a good leader. Hebrews 13, 7 says, Remember your leaders who spoke the word of God to you. Obviously, he's dealing with spiritual leaders here. It says, imitate them, consider the outcome of their way, and imitate their faith. A pastor has to be a leader. These elders have to be leaders. If the elders, if the pastor doesn't lead, somebody else will. So he's got to be a leader. Secondly, what should he expect from you? What should your elders here expect from you? What should the new preacher coming in expect from you? One, your faithfulness. Scripture says it is required in stewards that a man be found what? Faithful, 1 Corinthians 4, 2. Now it is required that those who have been given a trust, those who have been given a stewardship, must prove faithful. Faithful to what? Number one, faithful to God's house. I'm glad to see so many people here. It tells me a lot about you as a church. You're here. Sometimes people say, Pastor, I was there in spirit. The church doesn't function without bodies. Now, you can be here in spirit in heaven. You need to be here in body, amen? Because the body needs bodies. The body needs believers functioning together. You shouldn't come to church if there's just nothing else going on. Hey, there's nothing else going on today. It's raining. I think I'll go to church. We should be being committed to being here. 
faithful to God's house, that barring you're dying, you're here. Or here somewhere. I was in Florida a week ago, Wednesday. I was at a prayer meeting down there, Faith Baptist, uh, in Winter Haven. Um, Bob knows that church. He goes there when he's down there, I think. And there was a, a deacon there who always comes up and leads the prayer request. And he was, he was encouraging the people to come. The pastor had surgery three weeks ago on his back. And so he's been out for three weeks. And he's up there telling them he's going to do this. This is going to come on Mother's Day. And on the next Sunday, the pastor's going to be back. And I talked, to him about, I talked to him about it, and somebody else there said, that he's saying that because there are people not coming to the church while that pastor's gone because they like his preaching the best. And he said, you know what? You need to come if the guy opens this. When he quits opening this, you can quit coming. It's the Bible, right? We need to come. We need to sit under it. We need to be convicted by it. Church is not a good idea. Church is God's program. It's his program for today. Faithful. He expects you to be faithful to God's work. Listen, this is the, this is the greatest work ever, the church. I sit in meetings at work. I lead the meetings. I get bored by them. Because we're dealing with this and dealing with that. I never get bored at church. Never. I never get bored sitting down with men and, and strategizing. Where, where do we go? What does God have us do? Where do we go from here? I never get bored about talking about what, what is God doing in your life? What is he doing in my life? What is he doing in the lives of the people that, that you're shepherding here at the church? That is never boring. Never. Faithful to God's work. Faithful to God's teaching. It does no good for you to learn something and hear something and not to follow it. My dad used to say, this book will do you no good unless you apply it to your life. Randy Patton used to be the representative of Nank. I don't know if he still is or not. But he used to talk about the concept of gaposis. He used the word gaposis. And we think about gap opus if someone has pants that are hiked up like this. That's what DJ was this morning. His pants were too short, so I said, go change your pants, DJ. Get, get on pants that aren't that short. That's like, when, when, when you see that kind of stuff, it's like gap opus, gap opus, you know, there's a gap. But, but he used this term in the term of believers, that there's always a gap. There's always a gap between what we know and what we do. That's the gap opus Randy Patton talked about. And there always will be a gap, won't there? Because we're not perfect. We're not going to reach perfection here. But the point is, is the gap getting smaller? between who we know we ought to be and who we really are. As time goes on, we're never going to be perfect this side of glory, but as time goes on, 
the gap should be getting less. Right? That means we're growing. This is the image of Christ. This is me. I'm slowly conforming to the image of Christ. If that's not happening, something's wrong. Your pastor is going to expect that to be happening, faithful to God's teaching, growing and changing. He will expect your following as well, B. Any church that grows has a pastor and elders who are following God and people who are following their leadership. It's not always easy, is it? We get thinking, what in the world are they doing? What's that Mike doing? What's, what's Stephen doing? Listen, I, I have known your elders for a while. And I will tell you that I am confident that they will not lead you down to some cult. Maybe Mike, he's losing his mind. Stephen, he's not going to lead you to some religious Disney world. They are not going to lead you to some organization that magnifies man and wealth and accomplishes of, of man. They are to God be the glory people. That's why they exist. Who would be an elder not being paid for any other reason? Who does this? They will strive to lead you spiritually. They will strive to lead you to a more dedicated life. That's their job. Your pastor will lead you to sacrifice. Your pastor will lead you to surrender. He will lead you to more meaningful service to God. And I realize those things may sound like they're coming from a selfish agenda, but that's only what God expects of them. It's only what God expects of us. Lastly, he will expect your support. Matthew 10, 7, don't take any along any gold or silver. Take no bag for your journey. The worker is worthy of his keep. Your preacher will be worthy of your support. Luke 10.7, for the labor is worthy of the hire. If a church is able to meet the needs of the pastor, they need to do that, and he shouldn't have to do that outside of the church. Sometimes you have to do that. But when you have to do that, the church suffers. A pastor wants to focus on the work. And it isn't that he can't get another job. It isn't that he can't do that and support his family. He can and he will if he has to. But listen, if a pastor is not worthy of your support, find one that is. Because he's worthy of that. What should we expect from each other? I won't turn there, but Philippians chapter 2, 1 to 4, talks about fellowship. We should expect from one another, your preacher, your elders, your people, to have unity, to have fellowship together in God's house. We should expect good time of fellowship when we come to the services of the church. 
It's a little poem that goes like this. If this is not a place, talking about fellowship, talking about the church. If this is not a place where tears are understood, then where should I go to cry? If this is not a place where my spirit can take wings, then then where should I go to fly? If this church, if this is not a place like that, where, where do we go? I don't need another place for trying to impress you, it goes on, with just how good and virtuous I am. No, I don't need another place for always being on top of things. I don't need another place for always wearing smiles, even when it's not the way I feel. I don't need another place to mouth the same old platitudes. Everybody knows that that's not real. So if this is not a place where my questions can be asked, then where should I go to seek And if this is not a place where my heart can cry and be heard, where, tell me where, can I speak? So if this is not a place where tears are understood, where should I go? Where should I go to fly? Folks, the church, the church is unique, isn't it? The church is a special place where we come. You should want to get together when you come. Your friends are here. Maybe even some of your family is here. Talk together often. Don't always rush out. Some of the greatest memories you will have will be with your people at church. Serving together, praying together, struggling together, growing together, discipling together. I tell you, Hillside Baptist, we used to sing in the choir. I was a pastor. I sang in the choir, too. It was too much fun. It was too much fun singing next to John McDermott. It was too much fun singing next to Joe Hess. Crazy people. But we had a ball together because we were serving God together. We were moved together as we sang. We were moved together as we we served in just the choir. I have great memories of that. We should expect understanding of one another. Galatians 6, brother, as someone is caught up in a sin, you who are spiritual... Restore him, but watch yourself that you also might not be tempted. We need, to, we need to pick people up, don't we? Come alongside of them. They're caught up in a sin. We're all sinners. This one's caught up into it. He's stuck into it. So we're going to come alongside them and try to help them. Because we too will need that help one day. Quickly, what does God expect from both of us? I'm not going to spend a lot of time here. Love for his son, thou shalt love the Lord thy God. What God expects from us is a separated lifestyle. Come out from among them and be separate. There should be a difference between what's going on in here and what's going on out there. Amen? Because what's going on out there is a mess. Republican or Democrat, it's a a mess. 
a sacrificial spirit, an attitude of a servant. Make me a servant, Lord, humble and meek. Be conformed to the image of his son, Romans 8, 29. What both can expect from God? What does the people and the preacher expect from God? To honor his word. We said it doesn't change. He doesn't change. There's a win, Steve, for this week. There's a win. God's word doesn't change. Bestow upon us his power. There's a win. We exercise and we function based upon the power of God working in our lives as we read the word of God, as we respond to him in prayer, as the spirit works within us, we experience his power. I expect that from God. You can't read Ephesians 1 and not expect him to do his job. We can expect him to build his church. Scripture says the gates of hell will not prevail against it. It assumes the church is on the offensive. The gates of hell are on the defense. The church is plowing them over with God. He's not going to win. It's great in all the uncertainties of life to know that we have some things that we can just say, thus saith the Lord on, right? We know he's going to do his part. Through the years, I've, I've thought about churches, and I'll close with this, and we'll move into communion about stages in the life of a church. Your church is 42 years old. It's new. And everything I've seen at Alfred Allman Bible Church over the years has been, you can see God working in a church that's willing to take some risks. And it's usually where churches start out. In your notes there, there's the risk-taking stage. The key word to characterize that church is the word daring. They're taking risks. I grew up in churches like that. My dad was a church planter. I was born in Kentucky. He planted a church. I moved to New Jersey. He planted a church. This is all happening in four, five, six years. He goes there. We get a group of people together. We pray about starting a church. We start meeting in prayer meeting. We start inviting people in. We start sharing the gospel. All of a sudden, we got too many people to meet in the house. We've got to think about a building. And so in a few years, we're trusting God to bring us the funds to build the building. I saw it do it time and time again. I saw it do it in New Jersey. I watched him do it in Indiana. I watched him go to Georgia. And in a period of time, there's no church. There's no people. There's praying people together. There's a a church, there's a building there, and then he left after there's a hundred or so people there. Talk about take a risk. Talk about watching God work. Don't tell me he can't do it. I watched him do it all my upgrowing years. He was a risk taker. And he took risks. Church grew so much in Georgia that the lady who was watching the nursery had to have a helper. Go figure. It's growing. We got too many kids in the nursery. So he's recommending a helper for the lady in the nursery. She was offended by that. This is my nursery. Her husband met my dad downtown in ready to get into a fist fight over it. My dad was a risk taker. 
something. That, that's a mess. This is people. You're working with people. Crazy things happen because people are crazy. But if you're in the church business, you've got to recognize we're risk takers. We're daring. Why? Because this is the truth and we'll do anything to bring it out. I don't care when anyone gets in the way, we're still going. Keyword daring. Churches start out this way. There's a vision, there's a dream, there's a burden. They're living on the edge and nothing can stop them because they know God's capable of doing anything. And so they're boldly planning for today. They're boldly planning for today. They're asking the question, what great things will God do in the church today? I was excited to hear that about Mike today. We're we're moving on here, right? What great things are going to happen in the church today? Their song is Onward Christian Soldiers Marching Off to War. They're soldiers of the Lord Jesus Christ and they're reporting for duty every day. Because it's a battle worth fighting. Churches often start that way. At times, churches slip into what we might call the caretaking stage. They were risk-taking, and now, too much going on. Let's just take care of what we got. Church is getting organized. We're doing things. We're doing right things. It's not so thrilling anymore. Uh, We're not concerned about revival. We're not concerned about evangel everyone. Let's let's just get through today. Oh, lights are still on. There's still enough people here giving money. We're going to make it. And they're, they're saying, you know what? I hope really nothing happens today. And their song is, hold the fort. Just, let's just hold on, brother. The problem is, if a church moves into a caretaking stage like that and stays there very long, they're running the risk of moving into the next stage, which is the undertaking stage. key word that characterizes the caretaking church is duty. The key word that characterizes the undertaking stage is the word death. It's written about in Revelation, isn't it? I know your works. You say you're alive, but, but you're dead. The vision has died. No, no one cares anymore. The church is quietly talking about yesterday. Remember remember when the young people used to go out? Remember when we had missionaries, actual missionaries, that we paid and we funded them to go to another place in the world and preach the gospel? Remember those days? Ken's back there in the back. He was telling me last night there was 23 people here and young people last night after the prom doing something. That's today. That's something happening today, amen? We're not talking about what happened years ago. But that's what the death church says. Remember when we used to have fun? Remember when we used to all get together? Remember when the food was good? (laughs) The undertaking stage are asking the question, "What, what is today? They don't even know what today is. Their song is this, when the roll is called up yonder, I'll be there. Listen, I like that song. And when the roll is called up yonder, I'm going to be there. You're probably going to be there. I don't know all of you. 
That's a great song. But if that's all you can think about is spending time in eternity, Lord, just beam me up, God. Could it be today that you're going to take me home? I'm looking forward to his return. Don't get me wrong. But I don't live in when the roll is called up yonder, I'll be there. I want to live in today. Because God has a work for you to do until he comes. And guess what? He's not here yet. He's not here yet. And so Alfred Allman Bible Church has to continue to be a risk-taking church to move on until he does call us all home. Why? Why? Because of this. Mike's going to come up and lead us in communion. This is why. Spurgeon said this, these two elements are the spectacles to look through. Remember when. Don't stop looking through these elements, the cup and the bread, like glasses, looking back to seeing him dying on the cross for me. For me. You can't stop because of that. You'll never stop because of that. How can I do less than give him my best and live for him completely after all he's done what? For me. Mike, come lead us.